Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Are you looking to take your media strategy to the next level and make impact with millions of customers? Walmart Connect harnesses the massive reach of America's number one retailer. They can help you connect more meaningfully with Walmart's 139 million weekly online and in-store customers to find the right audience for your message. They use Walmart's proprietary customer purchase data to help you precisely target even niche audiences at scale. Visit walmartconnect.com today to see how they can help you find the customers you want at the scale you need. What is the creator economy and why should you care? And where exactly does creativity fit into it? Are we seeing a new breed of creative thinking or do the old rules still apply? These are the big questions, and that's why today we're asking the chairman to weigh in. And by this, we mean the chairman of Whaler, advertising legend Sir John Hegarty. Sir John was a founding partner of Saatchi and Saatchi, but more importantly, he co-founded Bartle Bogle Hegarty in 1982. This was an agency that won everything and changed everything. His work on brands like Levi's, Audi, Johnny Walker, and with the UN won 15 Clio's alone and helped BBH become the first ever agency of the year at Cannes in 1993. Sir John's long and eventful career has even been recognised by the Queen who knighted him on her birthday in 2007. Lately, Sir John has been advising creators that while practices and technologies change, principles remain the same. And the most important principle is, of course, creativity. Everything is better with creators. The podcast that takes a deep dive into all things creator economy. Produced and presented by Whaler. Whaler, we power the creator economy. With your hosts, Ashley Rudder, Emma Harmon, Jamie Goodfriend, and Marco Batosi. So welcome to this episode of Everything is Better with Creators. I'm Emma Harmon, your guide to all things happening in the creator economy. Every week, myself or my colleagues, Jamie Goodfriend or Ashi Rudder will be hosting this podcast. On this episode, Sir John walks us through what's new in the creator economy, what is fundamentally unchanged and what we all need to know moving forward. And now it's time to bring up the headliner of the evening, Stage. The big interview. Everything is better with creators. Sir John Hegarty with us. Everything's better with creators. Welcome to our podcast. How are you today, John? Where are you in the world? Well, I'm in London. I was just down in France. Uh, I got back and uh, I was rather glad to get off the aeroplane and find the temperature was only 26 degrees as opposed to 36 degrees. So I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good, but it's going to get hot here as well. So we're in London at the moment, in Soho, in our offices, uh, 
just off, uh, just in Dean Street, which is brilliant. And what were you doing in France, John? Because I know you've got a wine business, haven't you? Is, I, is that what yeah, you were working I, on? Yeah, I was down on the vineyard, um, a little bit of holiday, but also kind of catching up on the grapes, how they're going. Uh, is it going to be a good year? Is it a bad year? I always say never count your grapes till they're crushed. So you, when everybody says to me, how's it going? I, I use that phrase. But also that there's, you know, we're having some new labels designed, talking about replanting some vines because we want to make a bit more rosé. So, you know, in general, just being um, a farmer, which is basically what you are if you're a winemaker. All this romance about making wine, rubbish. You're basically a farmer. You grow grapes. And at the end of it, you turn them, hopefully, into some drinking wine. Uh, so I'm a farmer. You've become a farmer. I know. Uh, from ad man to farmer. What, what, how is it doing all of the um, the branding for the wise? Are you enjoying that side of it? Or are you actually enjoying the production side? Or just the whole thing? What's the, what's the I, experience been like? I do love the whole thing in a way because, you know, I spent my life in advertising and advertising is ephemeral. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. And um, with something like winemaking, you, you're in agriculture. So, first of all, you know, God doesn't answer emails. Um, he's very unreliable. You have God as one of your partners. Um, nature doesn't answer emails either. So you have to learn to be patient and you have to learn to work with nature. Don't fight it. If you try and fight it, you will lose. And so you've got that side of it. Then you're a chemist because you turn grape juice into alcohol. So there's chemistry there. And at the end of it, you're a marketeer because you've then got to sell the wine, create labels, create a point of view. And it brings all those things together, which I quite like anyway. So it's, it's a sort of it's, it's everything under one roof, except primarily you are a farmer. I love it. Do you, what do you do to relax, John? Because I, I, I feel like you're a bit of a workaholic. You're, you've <laughs> always got your fingers in different pies. You've, you know, one minute here, next minute there. What, what do you like to do to relax, John? Well, I, I sort of find it very easy to relax, really. I love, um, uh, I love going out, socialising. I like um, uh, being with friends. I love the cinema. I love going to the theatre. Um, I love going to galleries, reading. But I, I kind of like doing lots of different things because you just get stimulated by it. You know, you, you have a conversation with somebody about something completely different and you go oh that's interesting now how would I approach that as a problem and I think it just keeps you fresh I hope it does anyway <laughs> somebody might be going no John it's just very boring actually but so I love that I love that sense of always being connected and I think being connected is very very important and I think whatever you do in, in your life whatever you're going to do however you lead your life stay connected read different things, talk to different people. You know, I've always said this, and, and I read the most fabulous book on Leonardo da Vinci. And um, it's um, by um, Walter Isaacson. It's a really good book. And the great thing about him, one of the things that comes out of it, was that he was constantly fascinated in what people were doing. Now, I'm, don't get me wrong, I am not in any way associating my skills with Leonardo's. But the thing that you learn from him is that he was great, obviously, because he was a genius, but also because he, he, he spoke to everyone. 
when he saw a tradesman doing something, he wanted to know why they were doing it. Why did they do it that way as opposed to this way? And he loved talking to people and people loved talking to him. And consequently, out of that came his, in, his inquisitiveness. And he was very engaging, apparently, according to Isaacs in his book, stories about him. And that added to his creativity. It, it made him better at what he did. I mean, he was already a genius, but, you know, he was even more of a genius because of his attitude to life. And I think it's a great lesson there for everybody. Stay connected. Stay connected. And also curiosity. It's such a catalyst to great things, isn't it? Totally. As you say, that inquisitive nature and you get so much more out of life if you just go a totally. bit deeper. Yeah. And, and you never dismiss anybody. You know, there's a reason why they're possibly doing something. Try and understand it. Try and understand why they're doing what they're doing. In all shapes and form, in attitude, in belief systems, in methods of working or what they actually make or don't make or whatever. There's a reason, you know, just stay positive with them. And, you know, that will benefit hugely. Yeah, completely. It, just sort of a change of, 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 of pivot slightly, John, but um, we missed you in Cannes Lion this year. Where were you? Well, I was down in France. I was, I was, I was shooting, um, I'm doing a whole series of um, lectures on um, creativity called The Business of Creativity. And I was actually shooting right. them the week you were in Cannes. So that's why I couldn't come down. I'd love to have been there. I would love to have been there with you because it would have been great fun. Um, and it's, I always love Cannes when you can be with people that you have a, a kind of um, a relationship with, if you see what I mean. They're, they're friends you can go to, you can go out, you can do. It's great socialising. I'm, I'm not bad at socialising, but I like to do it within a group of people who I know. Then I'll go out and do stuff. And um, it would have been great to have been down there with you, but uh, sadly it wasn't to be. Next year, hopefully. One of my big observations from Lion this year was how front and centre creators were. And it felt like before perhaps the creators sort of the creator space felt a little bit on the fringes, but it really felt like it was the kind of the pulse of the festival this year. And we took a number of creators with us and everywhere we went, people knew who they were and wanted them to come into their parties. And they they really brought this energy and magic to the festival, actually. And uh, yeah, it would have been really great for you to have experienced that because it was just it felt like this this sort of future of creativity. It was there, it was happening. It was really good. It kind of went wrong about eight or nine years ago, I think, and it became almost a tech festival and creativity was pushed to, a, to one side and it was sort of on the fringes. And um, it was a great shame. I mean, I, a lot of creative people I know who went there just said, I feel alien here. I, they're people talking about platforms and data and algorithms and, you know, all these things are fine, but they aren't why I went to Cannes. And it's good to see that they have brought that back because in the end, it is creativity that's going to make the difference. And I think people are beginning to realise and accept that now, which is great. I, I saw a quote from you recently, John, which said, don't stalk, inspire. I love that. <laughs> Well, I think it, it had been, you know, we, 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 marketing had, had adopted a, a view that said the way to get to your audience is to stalk them, follow them, get their, you know, find where they were and get them online. And, you know, and 
convert, convert. Yeah, it isn't a great way of building a long-term relationship, become a stalker, is it? Um, if anything, there's a law against it. As opposed to think about inspiring. Think about inspiring people to come to you. And if you think about the great brands, the great ideas, the, great, the things that we all love, they're things that inspire us and they, they get us to want to join it rather than having to sort of corral us into joining them. It's a sort of misunderstanding of how communication should work. It's so true. I mean, it was it was great with Can Lion this year to see it. It's clearly taken on board a lot of that feedback. And I think they're clearly sort of trying to um, make it more of a, an inspiring creative festival as, as it once was. But it, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? That this sort of idea of the role of awards going uh, forward, you know, thinking about creativity now and, you know, what creativity looks like. So if you look on, if you look at a platform like TikTok, where really it's an entertainment platform uh, and it, it looks very different to what you might experience on TV, I guess there's going to need, as we go forward, there's going to be how we really evaluate creativity and the role of awards is going to need to be looked at and perhaps the criteria may need to change as we go forward. And do you have any thoughts on that? How does, how do, you know, how does an organisation like Can Line keep on evolving? Well, I, I think all media has an impact on creativity in the sense of it changes the way we can do things. I mean, if you think about, you know, if you go back 200 years ago, you had theatre and then, you know, we invented radio, obviously not 200 years ago, but and, and, and that changed the way people could do things and music could develop. Then we created television, which kind of was another major development in how we could entertain. And then mm. you get this splintering into different platforms, and we'll call them platforms, but I actually call them media because that's really what they are. I mean, I know that YouTube doesn't want to say they're in media, because, but they are, you know. Uh, and TikTok is another media. And, it, and it's very interesting how people consume that media and how you create work that actually works on that particular media. Um, it's, it's, I'm not, you know, it's a, going back to winemaking, one thing they say about wines, if you keep a, any red wine or if any white wine, red or white wine, long enough, they all taste the same. All right. And I have this view. I haven't heard in, that one before. Yeah, no, they end up all <laughs> they've got better with age. Well, they get to a certain point and then they all get then they all taste the same. Um I mean ultimately they they're vinegar, you know, but you don't want to drink them then. But um I think with media, I think that people I don't think people have fundamentally changed. I think they want entertainment, they want to be engaged. I mean the Romans understood this. <laughs> when they were having when, the, when they were, the, the people were getting a bit tricky, they put on another game, you know, and, of course, they did terrible things. But they realised that entertainment was the way of engaging people and keeping them happy. And I think we've always wanted that. We've always wanted engagement and we've always wanted entertainment. You know, the campfire was when we told stories and then we went from campfires and somebody, you know, um, uh, uh, created singing that was... that. that told stories and then we moved to theatre and we created theatres and it hasn't really changed that much the media allows us to make moderate changes and tell the story in a different way so you know if I'm on the theatre I can't tell the story in quite the same way 
as if I'm on film. Because on a theatre, you haven't got the close-up lens. So with a close-up, you know, with a long-distance lens, I can do a close-up, and that can tell a thousand, that can be a thousand words in that. So it allows me to tell the story differently. How TikTok will change, I'm not really sure yet. But I think one of the things that I, I'm, I'm sort of, think we've got to have more of is humor we've forgotten to make people laugh and I, and I think you know I worked in advertising for a very long time and some of the best ads ever were ones that made people laugh because people like laughing and we've got all serious we've become very driven by purpose-driven advertising you know me too um, you know black lives matter the environment and all these things are very very important don't get me wrong but somehow we've got to lighten things as well. We can't live our lives, you know, being, you know, constantly active in all these different kind of formats and all these different issues. They, as I say, they are important. Don't get me wrong. But we need some lightness as well. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons why TikTok took off. It kind of represented escapism. And people do need to escape. You need that for your own sanity. And part of what we do is helping people escape into a you know a crazy world, something that makes me laugh, sit back, and that's enjoyable. Yeah, and I think that's that that power of humour has been so central to TikTok, and you know it it genuinely is a hilarious platform. I mean, most of the videos being served are making you laugh, and I think that's been core to its success. It's, it's an interesting one because they're going into a, a space now where they want to do think about more you know, things like Topshoe series and more sort of entertainment formats for the platform, still driven by creators because, you know, all content is really on TikTok is made by creators, but they're trying to get into a kind of more format space. And I guess, John, if you were sort of sort of thinking, if you, you know, if you were back in BBH or you had another type of agency, I mean, you do have an agency, but how would you be thinking about that? Would you be thinking, right, this is such a huge platform or, would you be thinking about what team do I need in place to really think about how the brands that we work with show up on TikTok, what we can be developing for them? You know, what does good look like? You know, how, how would you be thinking about a platform like that where there has been such growth? It does have its real character, its own character and its own dynamics. How would you be thinking about kind of servicing clients on a platform like that? Or as you say, wouldn't you be thinking of it in that way? Well, I tell you, the first thing is that you you absolutely understand or, or have a, a complete awareness of what is being watched on TikTok. What is it that people are creating that is really gaining traction? Mm. I mean, the thing that advertising did in the days when I came into it is it looked to the entertainment industry and it looked to movies, it looked to great television programs, it looked to comedy programs, and said, what are people watching? What are they liking? What are they laughing at? What's engaging them? And advertising learnt from them. It learnt how to engage, how to entertain, how to do drama even, and how to make people laugh. And in that way, they created work that people wanted. But we, we learned from the entertainers in whatever they were doing, and to such a point when, you know, advertising in in the early 80s or so, the commercial directors were then going in to making films. So the people like Ridley Scott, Alan Parker, Adrian Lyne, Hugh Hudson, all these people came out of advertising. 
And they then it was almost like they sold advertising back to the entertainment industry. And so it was a wonderful kind of circulation of talent and skill where everybody was learning off everybody else. So the first thing to do is, how are people consuming this? What are they watching? Why are they watching? What's that? And just be engaged with it and learn from that and then create work that you think talks in that kind of language. I always say, whatever you're doing with something, you've got to love it. So you've got to engage with it. And there'll be a broad sort of platform of ideas and thoughts on TikTok that you can, I relate to that, maybe not that, I do this, not that. So there'll be plenty of material there for you to learn from and that will connect with you, that you can in turn recreate in your own way and add to what TikTok does. And then you create a virtuous circle of work where, you know, in the heydays of advertising, people said, you know, on television, they love watching the ads as much as they like loved watching the programs because they were learning and entertaining and engaging and they were doing it in a kind of you know a short form version so you know maximum of a minute you'd create a, a, a piece of work that people loved they could recite they could look at they could talk about and it came about because we learned from entertainers on tv yeah, and, that's, and from film. Interesting. It's like, yeah, watching and learning and really thinking, yeah. as you say, seeing what people are actually engaging with. Yeah, and then building on that. You don't building want to on just it. Yeah. it. You wonder, you don't, you're not going to, you're not holding a mirror up to them. You've got to take it and go, do you know what? This is what I would do with that. This is how I would kind of change that and add. But it's still kind of, you understand the medium you're in. Very important that you've got to understand the medium you're in. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. Ready to unlock the full potential of your media spend? Whether you're looking to launch a new product, build your brand, or help increase sales this quarter, Walmart Connect helps brands make an impact with precise targeting, powerful analytics, and the reach of America's number one retailer. Walmart Connect offers solutions for advertisers of all sizes on and off Walmart's digital properties and in their stores. From cost-effective sponsored search and self-serve display ads on Walmart's site and apps to connected TV and off-site media across web and social to in-store activations and live events, Walmart Connect can help you deliver the right content to the right Walmart customer at the right step of their shopping journey. And Walmart Connect's closed-loop measurement means they can track the full impact of your campaign on sales, not just on Walmart's site and app, but also in-store. For some campaigns, they can even provide rest-of-market data that tracks the impact on sales at other retailers. Visit walmartconnect.com today to find out how you can start connecting with Walmart's 139 million weekly online and in-store customers. Walmart Connect. More than media. Meaningful connections. Mm. it's 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 funny John because you obviously have always been very you know you're very forward focused you 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 get things you jump into things you as you say you you've got this zest for life that you know you want to play with things and I 
it, it's funny because we still have, you know, very senior clients that are still very nervous about either whether it's jumping into TikTok or jumping in to working with creators. And you've you've been our chairman, you know, you've you were obviously, you know, you you are the chairman of Whaler. What did compel you to jump into this? Well, I, I first of all, um, I met Neil and James when they were setting the company up. I met initially Neil first. We were we were sharing a conference, and um, I was talking on one stage, and he was on another. Then we connected with what we were both saying, and then Neil came to see me and said he was he and James, who I then met, were thinking of starting a, an influencer company, and I. I was I I was very interested in it because I've always thought how do I connect with people how do I and how does technology and new ways of connecting allow me to do something different and I thought about it and I thought you know influencers are very interesting as a group of people and it's liberated for me which is we came up liberating the creative voice it's liberating people's opportunity to write and create work that talks to people. And that's always fascinated me. I've always wanted to democratize creativity. Got to be careful with that. Was a, a little quote I always say is, we're, you know, we're all artists, but some of us shouldn't exhibit. <laughs> but I do love the, the idea of democratizing. And for me, I thought that's brilliant. You know, when I came into advertising, one of the great things about it was that it became an industry that really it, it brought in people from all kinds of different backgrounds. I mean, people say, oh, advertising is white and middle class. I think that's very unfair. It could be more representative. Of course it could, and I would support that 100%. But when I came into it as a creative person, you know, I was from a working class background. I was working with wonderful female creatives who came from very different backgrounds and northern guys northern girls who'd come down to london spoke with a very different accent and all of a sudden advertising was very open to these people because it didn't care where you came from what it cared for with the ideas you were having so in a way i was always open and, and saw how the more open you are the more you're going to get from people and for me, that influences is an absolute example of that, in a sense that nobody is excluded. You know, if you decide you want to be an, an influencer, then go and do it. Nobody is stopping you. And I love the fact that we've taken down the gatekeepers. I loathe the gatekeepers. You know, they keep people out. And I, 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 I think influencers is an example of where, you know, they've opened the gates. Anybody can do it. Yeah, I mean, when you think about representation as a medium, there really isn't a better place to really collaborate with people from every background, every lived experience, you know, every type of community. And it does, that is in itself such a huge opportunity. Um, you know, when you talk about inclusion, you know, that is in itself such an amazing way to be, you know, to be relevant within these communities. Um, it's fundamental. But one thing I wanted to say too is about, you know, I'm I'm a, sort of a not a child of the 60s but i i kind of came into you know i i was 18 or something at the beginning of the 60s one of the reasons why that was a phenomenal decade and the birth of the teenager and all that you've got to understand it was very much 
the first time that culture came from the bottom up. It came from the working classes up. Up until that point, culture really had been dominated from the upper classes coming down. You know, they were all very well-educated, edu- you know, erudite and all that, and they sort of controlled entertainment and creativity. The 60s saw that reverse, where all of a sudden the people with power, certainly this was the case in the UK, were very, you know, were working class. You look at music, you look at the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, all those, all those bands were very working class bands. Artist David Hockney came from, you know, he was a Yorkshire lad coming from Bradford. He was. Um, and the, 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 the books were very much about working class voices having their say. So the whole 60s, in a way, was created by greater access to people who came from very differing backgrounds. And that's what made it really, really interesting. Photography, we talked about, you know, in the UK, we talked about Bailey, Donovan, Duffy. They were East End boys, you know, uh, uh, and they were hugely influential. uh, And they changed the way culture was viewed. And that, so that coming from the bottom up really energized the whole creative industry. And I think that's what influences continue to do well this is um it's a really exciting space at the moment because you've got these creators but then you've got these communities and fandoms that are being born around these creators (laughs) because these creators are almost like the community leaders and you've got these incredible communities coming up like whether it's witch talk or nail art or it's um you know there's so many foraging (laughs) there's a huge community now and if you're into something pretty niche you can find a whole community out that exists not just on one social platform but it exists now physically and digitally and actually I think that there is something I know that there's there can be negative effects of you know the social space I I do get that I do think that is is an incredibly positive thing about you know what's happening now across social are these communities coming together and finding each other and with all of these shared interests and passions and almost the niche the better like you know we've seen with this um a huge tiktoker at the moment and he's become so famous for he, he's a train spotter you know mm. and he's doing collaborations yeah. with the likes of gucci and the north face and you know how incredible is that that we can think about these this idea of sort of tapping into these very very niche communities where actually you can have so much engagement and impact with a whole community if you enter that community in the right way and i think you know, when we think about the role of sort of creative agencies now and, and, and businesses like Whaler, it's like, how do we help brands enter those communities in a really positive way to give that community a positive experience, you know? Yeah, how do you approach I think, that? Yeah, I think it is a democratisation mm. of communication. And as you quite rightly say, everything has a downside. You've got to accept that. Yeah, There's going to be a downside to everything, you know? Eat too many carrots and you die, you know, kind of... <laughs> I mean, oh, bloody hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh god, bloody hell. Um, but I, I do think that that democratization is crucially important. I mean, the, the, the thing for a, a big creative agency is to determine strategy and guide mass broadcast and then let influencers take over and interpret that into their particular audience. This is how I would interpret that into my audience. And 
I think it gives you greater experimentation. It gives you uh, greater connection because there's an intimacy. And I talk a lot about intimacy is fundamentally important to communication. Um, uh, and I think that is a fantastic asset for a brand. So it's got to do both. It's got to do both broadcast and narrow cast, if you want to call it that. You can call it whatever you like. And I think it offers them an exciting opportunity. And then one, again, I'm, you know, I'm always trying to create virtuous circles. And then one thing feeds back into the other thing and feeds back into the broadcast that can pick up, pick up on something that's happened in narrow cast and make it into a broadcast phenomenon. It's like the Edinburgh Fringe, you know, the Edinburgh Fringe starts. Comedians go up and they do a routine and they talk to a very small audience and the small audience goes, wow, that particular one was great. And then a wider audience gets an opportunity to see it. Then, you know, broadcast picks it up, gives them a greater audience. And so you see this virtuous circle occurring. And that's what makes things like the Edinburgh Fringe so fascinating. Yeah, it's, it'll be good that that's coming back on again. All of these events that have had to have been put on pause well, for over the last few years, it's all been such a shame, hasn't it? It was great to see Glastonbury this year again come back on and stuff like that. Um, but John, when you talk about, you used a word um, that I love, uh, you talk a lot about intimacy and how the creator medium has this, I mean, when you talk about inclusion, it's the ultimate you know, me medium for having that intimate relationship. How important do you think that is now when you think about modern day creativity? Well, I, I think it, it is fundamental to creativity because what you're trying to do is you're trying to make something that seems to appeal to a mass, all right, but also it talks as though it's to one person. And so when I see or hear or watch a great piece of entertainment, engagement, creativity, be a painting, a book I've read, great work feels as though it's talking to me personally. It engages with me personally, even though I know the book has sold to hundreds of thousands of other people. And that's the great skill about creativity, creating a sense of intimacy. And that's what makes it brilliant. We've always got to remember that, that it, 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 if you want to write, create, make something really successful, you make it for one person. And if that's brilliant, then more people will appreciate it. And I think that's the great thing about brilliant creativity. It has an intimacy to it, even though I know it's broadcast, even though I know it's, you know, a million people have looked at that picture, seen that painting, it talks to me. And that's great creativity. Yeah, I love that. And it's it, the segue um, into this is quite interesting with, with that point in mind. So we... Um, as you know, John, we just made an, an important acquisition at Whaler. Um, we acquired a business called Sea Talent, which who are yeah. a, you know they're an award-winning talent agency for uh, deaf, blind, and disabled creators. Because the you know there's over a billion people worldwide that are living with some type of disability and often completely ignored when it comes around down to communications and advertising, particularly. Um, do you think, I mean, in some ways I reflect and I think this is brilliant that we've done this and we're, you know, building it into everything we do. In some ways, I think, gosh, it's taken a very long time to sort of get to this point. Do you ever sort of look at advertising and think, 
should we should this have evolved a lot faster from that kind of inclusion perspective um, I mean, I know what you said before about, you know, it, you didn't feel that, it, you didn't feel that coming through, but it has there been, do you not feel there has been a problem with, with that side of things? Well, I think undoubtedly, I mean, you can't deny that. Why have these people been excluded? They've been excluded because it's just inconvenient mm. and nobody's really thought about it, which I think you could argue is terrible. But I'm I'm just so proud of the fact that Whaler have done something very positive in this direction and said, right, we are going to, you know, we're going to help put this front and centre. What I think is, for me, is exciting is that they create work that talks from their point of view but includes me. And I think that's what's going to be really interesting because, you know, I go back to my thing about the 60s. The 60s was interesting because working class people suddenly could have a voice Uh, And they could talk and they could talk about the things that drove them, the things that concerned them, the things that inspired them. And everybody went, wow, yeah, that's great. I really enjoy that. So, you know, they, you know, whatever, whatever you want to, to look at. And what I would love is to see this community talk to us as well. I don't want them to be just a community that talks to you know, the deaf, blind, disabled, whatever it might be, community. I want them to be mainstream, but they come mainstream with a different point of view. And I think that's brilliant. They see the world in a slightly different way. That's exciting. I think that's going to be absolutely fantastic. And I, So how are they going to tell a story? How do you, you know, if you're, you're, you're blind, I mean, and you're doing something with TV, how do you do it? And I'd be fascinating to see how they tell the story, what emphasis they put on where they put it. I think that'd be really interesting and we'll all learn from that. Yeah, and it's and it's so important. I think language is so important when you're talking about this as well. Like I was, um, Keely, who is the, is the president of that um, business, we were, we were sitting together watching some videos, some Can Lion videos actually in Can together and it was funny because some of the big pharmaceutical companies who will, may have disabled people within their ads, it's still very much presented in a very sad and sorrowful way. It's still yeah. oh, so-and-so suffering with this. And Keto said, I wish they'd stop. Let's make the music positive. Let's say they're living with this and they're getting through it and they've got a family and they've got a life and they're living. And it's sort of, it's it's on us and to, to really take a hold of it. But you're right and make it mainstream and, you know, well, you're, you're absolutely right. And there was a brilliant thing here in, in Strictly, which is um, a program about where they get a, a personality to dance with a professional and they have to then compete in this dancing. And, and the lady who was deaf oh, yes. won it. And it was brilliant. And it was just fascinating to understand how she got rhythm and how she developed it and how she... And she did so much for the kind of deaf community in Just the way she yeah. presented how she approached music. And you thought, this is really fascinating. And that was completely mainstream. And she won it. Yeah. And she was inspiration. And you, you, you kind of learn from that. Because all the time you want to learn. You want to expand. You want to grow your experiences, grow your knowledge, grow your awareness of what's out there. And when you see something like that, it really does it for you. Yeah, brilliant. Well, John, 
I think we are now out of time. So oh, we are. We are. There you go. Just got going. I know. We could talk all day. I still could be nattering away. Um, but it was so great to, to hear from you and to you know really connect on some of these really interesting themes that are happening in our space and in the world generally. And thank you for joining us after getting back from France. And you can go back to being a farmer now if you like, John. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, I go out now and have to tramp the land and fondle the grapes, make sure they're okay. Well, listen, Emma, always love it. Lovely talking to you, always. And as chairman of Wader, I'm very proud of what you're doing. Just go on being interesting. Never be ordinary. We hope you've enjoyed what you've heard and will come along with us as we navigate this journey to the promised land of the creator economy. Make sure to subscribe or follow our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you like to listen to audio. And of course, we'd love a rating and review if you get the opportunity. And special thanks to Sir John Hegarty for joining us. Make sure to check out more from Whaler and all things at the intersection of the talent network, brand partnerships, technology and creativity at whaler.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. For everything is better with creators, I'm Emma Harmon. We'll catch you next time. Better with Creators is produced by Whaler. Whaler, we power the creator economy. Learn more at whaler.com. If you expect your media investment to deliver clear, measurable results, Walmart Connect can help you get there with powerful analytics and the reach of America's number one retailer. Their closed-loop measurement uses Walmart's proprietary customer purchase data to track the impact of your campaigns on sales, not just on Walmart's site and app, but also in-store. For some campaigns, they can even provide rest-of-market data that tracks the impact on sales at other retailers. Visit walmartconnect.com today and see how they can help make your media spend meaningful. Walmart Connect. More than media? Meaningful Connections.